Hello and welcome to Kicking Balls, the podcast where two 20-something Americans give out a whole lot of opinions on soccer as if they're fact. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. Hello, hello. Another week has gone by already, somehow. Uh, Craziness. Um, We say we don't have too much to talk about. We'll hope we won't ramble. Um, We'll see what happens. Um, we will see what happens. Um, but we're going to start, as as always, um, with the uh, English Premier League and the most recent string of games that happened over the weekend. And then just today, there were two games. So we'll catch up on those. Um, yeah. So weekend results of um, interesting note, I suppose. Uh, before we do some more in-depth talk on Arsenal and City, as we generally do. Um, <laughs> Fulham and Wolves tied. Uh, Newcastle and Brighton's game was postponed, so... That was because that, the, Just throwing that out there. Um, the, because uh, the um, Carabao Cup was Carabao played. Cup final was on which Sunday. Which we'll briefly um, touch on as well. Which we'll briefly touch on, yes. But uh, Fulham and Wolves tied. Everton um, lost to Aston Villa, 2 nothing. Um, West Ham beat the crap out of Nottingham Forest. Um, Crystal Palace and Liverpool drew 0-0. I didn't watch any of this game, but I heard Liverpool looked uninspired. Yeah, which I guess... Um, Par for the course. (laughs) Sounds sounds Um, kind of what's been up with them, yeah. Yeah, um, and then Tottenham beat Chelsea to nothing. Um, so Chelsea continues to just be bad, I guess. They've only won two of their last 15 in all competitions or something ridiculous like that. Absolutely dreadful. Um, given how much money they spent a month ago. I only watched, I only watched like the highlights briefly of this, but, um, I know, do know Tiago Silva got injured. Not like that would, I don't think that would have changed the game, but I think going well, Forward, that, probably, that hurts them. Yeah, that definitely hurts them because I feel like they haven't ha- seemed to have a ton of it. Like, it's not like they're leaking tremendous amounts of goals, right? It's not that they were losing yeah. like 6 yeah. nothing or anything like that, but they just couldn't score. They were losing 1-2-0 yeah. kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but Tiago Silva was a really big part of that. I know certainly he – I've seen him – like in games that I've watched, certainly make some really important tackles and things for them, and definitely seem to be holding down the fort of that defensive line. Yeah. So we'll see how that goes. Um, I imagine not super well. Um, some good news finally for the Leeds camp. Um, all three Americans started for the first time, um, and Leeds won one nothing. They beat Southampton. Which is uh, important in the relegation battle. Yes, very important in the relegation battle. So hopefully that's – it's also their first um, game under their new manager. So like we said, we generally expect there to be a little bit of a new manager bounce. Um, But it is nice to see also that the American cohort continues to be in good form under a new manager. Um, There's no reason that they shouldn't be – but I do think there was a little bit of chatter around the fact, like, are the Americans still going to play when there's not an American manager anymore? Which I think is silly yeah. because, well, it's silly because all three of them good, are tremendous. Right? Like... All three of them are tremendous players. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, but I will be sort of interested to see um, whether they can build up a little bit of momentum because Leeds could certainly use some, some momentum. Um, do you want to talk, do you want me to talk City so you can then talk about both of Arsenal's games back to back? Sure. Sure. Go for it. All go, right, cool. Go forth. <laughs> All right. So, um, City played Bournemouth. City beat Bournemouth 4-1, um, which is very nice <laughs> because, um, after a string of frustrating games where City was struggling, um, to score, they finally you know, put quite a few in the net. Um, I I heard an interesting stat, actually. Uh, so basically, Alvarez scored first, then Holland, then Phil Foden, and then an own goal. Um, but interestingly enough, um, apparently, and I think they said four out of the five games that Alvarez and Holland have started together, uh, both of them have scored. Um, which is... I mean, obviously, it's only a five-game sample size, but not great. Interesting but to note, something, something. Um, interesting to note, and it's. I thought it was actually really funny because I said in last week's episode, <laughs> I really want Alvarez and Holland to play side by side more. And then what do they do? Play side by side. I'm Pep telling you. I'm telling you. Could hear my. Pep could hear my prayers. The unfortunate thing is the podcast wasn't actually out yet when he put the lineup out because if he had, I would have said yeah. he would have listened to us, but. It, yeah it unfortunately the publishing late bit is my bad Oopsies. it's fine it's fine um, but you but, know we just we just can't take the credit because technically it wasn't um, yeah this it wasn't, wasn't out, out when that happened so whatever but it's okay um I was um pretty happy with this game overall I it's annoying to give up a, a late you know goal yeah, saw, yeah. when you're up for nothing um but ultimately didn't freak me out too much what really made me happy was that that Phil Foden looked excellent um yes it's Bournemouth um but Phil Foden should be tearing it up um and he was and it's nice uh, nice as always to see Holland on the score sheet um like I said I like seeing Alvarez I really do think the two of them playing side by side is really nice because Alvarez can kind of drop into this almost like 10 roll and then go side by side up mm, yeah. um, with him, which is fun. Um, they Also, Rico Lewis got a start, which is fun. Um, can I say something funny? I'm, yeah. About Rico Lewis. I'm sure you yeah. saw this. The funny ass video of him like celebrating and so much like giddiness. Like, oh, yeah. Before City scored. Yeah. I was like this this is a child but it was really cute yeah so i wanted it, to it is that that, that is a really funny. cute video yeah and and he is a child he's 18 yeah so, so he is I, it, it, it's um, like run, it's like makes sense i was just like i don't know he deserves a shout I out think just for that yes absolutely but i think what's interesting about the lineup that city put out against um boardmouth is that i do think this is amongst the most fluid lineups they've played this year Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the most sort of reminiscent of, of past years, um, just before we had a true number nine city was always really flowing. Like, yes, people had positions, but they didn't really have positions in the sort of front attacking players. Like 
outside of the holding midfielders and the defenders, like nobody really actually had a formal position. It was very sort of fluid and moving in and out. And I feel like this group that played um, the starting 11 was a lot more reminiscent of that. Like, yes, Holland stayed high. Yes, you had your essentially was what was essentially a three back of Diaz, Ake, and Akaji um, playing across the back line. But it was a really fluid formation in the sense that Rico Lewis sometimes was kind of lined up as a right back, but more often was playing almost as a double six um, with Rodri. Like the two of them were sort of playing throughout the middle. Rod, uh, Rico Lewis was kind of very was Rico Lewis was almost box to box to be honest. <laughs> um, yeah, he's kind of was just all over the place. Um, but then I feel like the like like I was saying about Alvarez, like yes, sometimes he plays alongside um Holland as a striker partnership almost but then he'll also drop in behind a little bit to play more like a 10 um Gundo plays somewhere between a box to box and a 10 usually and then I think when you have Graylish and Foden on the wings um those are two guys who also can drift really centrally and play wide so it just was a much more sort of fluid system than we've seen City in a while um which I really like. I think City plays their best football when they're playing really fluidly like that. Um, and because it just, I think a lot of the players are are not at their best when they're forced to sort of stay in a specific zone almost. Like Foden yeah. in particular yeah. has a really hard time if he's not, if he doesn't have the freedom to float in and out of the middle and front and back. And so he's a very floaty player. Like he likes to go where he likes to go. Yeah, um, and so it, this is the second time Foden has been playing off the right, second or third time that Foden has played off yes. the right. Um, but he's doing fine there. He's he's living his life. He's scored a goal. So um, we're That's loving amazing. it. So yeah, I'm I'm while I'm not best pleased to have given up a goal late, um, it is nice to to get back um to winning ways to first for first of all and um to get a good a good th- like that is a result we should see against Bournemouth. Yes. Um which after the la- the previous two results, it's like it's always good to see that. So yeah. All right. Now it's my turn. <laughs> Um, Arsenal really needed to win a game too. I feel like. Um, they also what we played before City, yeah. I don't actually remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so earlier in like the that, morning, I think. Yeah, I feel like the mindset with Arsenal right now is now after today more than ever, it's just like, just do what you have to do type thing. Like, yeah, a little bit. Like, it just feels like just plod your way forward. That's how this Leicester game felt. It was a slog in the first half. Let me tell you. And I was, like, banging my head against the wall. Because, like, Leicester kind of just sat back. And we just, like, could not get the ball in the back of the net. Um, mm-hmm. Interestingly, Arteta decided, which actually is something I've been thinking about, is he started Martinelli, Saka, and Troussard up top. So he took Nketiah mm-hmm. out. I honestly thought Martinelli was going to be playing as a striker because, like, he has played a striker. But I guess technically they line up with Troussard in the middle. But 
maybe similarly to City's no striker type deal, they just are all moving all over mm-hmm. the place. Um, Saka really stays on the right, but Trussard and Martinelli are kind of just like flipping back and forth. Um, and it opens up some like weird middle space, both for Odegaard and like Zinchenko just to be wherever the hell he wants. Cause I feel like he just what he does. Yeah. plays every position that he so desires. Um, he goes where he wants to go. Yes. Um, and I think it's I think it's an interesting move by Arteta. I think it's clearly like we want maybe our best players on the pitch. Um I, I think that's um I think that's really interesting. I didn't watch I haven't I didn't watch that game. It was um too early for me. Um and I didn't watch today's either, so I don't know if they did something similar today, but they, they played the um, same lineup today. Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I think um the notes about it being similar to how city played without a nine is really interesting too, because um, I think a city played like that occasionally when Arteta was under pep. So Arteta would have been a open to doing that. Um, and I do think that unlike most teams in the premier league, um, Arsenal is set up in a way has the personnel to do that in a way that not a lot of other, a lot of other teams could, um, yeah. particularly, and we've talked the last couple of weeks about Inketia struggling with being clinical um, yeah. in front of the goal after a really hot spell. Um, and I think your point to like, ultimately when city was doing that, that's what they were doing in the sense that they Pep just wanted to put his best attacking players on the field so he figured out how to do it. Um, yeah. And it's if that's what Arteta is doing as well, I mean, we've seen how well it's worked for yeah, City. I mean, if they can get it working well for them too, like they'll be in really good shape. I think too, I think Trusari just brings a uh, directness. I think that sometimes Martinelli and Saka, less this season obviously, but still a little bit, are not – they're not willing just to like pull the trigger on a shot or like just do the path. They, and I think that, I mean, it's kind of funny because I feel like city has used to do this too, was they just like, they play like one too many passes instead of just they like pass deciding. the ball to death. Yeah. yeah. Right. And I feel like Trussard, I don't, maybe it comes from obviously he came into, I think it's just his play. He is very willing to just go and make the t- yeah. like make the first pass at times and i think that balances with the other passes he's also like very capable of doing the back and forth passes so like mm-hmm. what- i just think it adds like a little bit of an extra spark and he also yeah. has a little bit more versatility than Ninketia, who very much just is in the box he mm-hmm. going back to the Leicester game he assisted martinelli's goal he like set martinelli through um on goal mm-hmm. Um, and so like that ability to kind of have that vision um, and play alongside them I feel like it's working um, and additionally Jorginho uh, has been looking fantastic um, so our two January signings um, have slotted in Partey has been injured he he's subbed in in the Leicester game at the end and also this today in today's game but I don't think that Arteta feels like he has to push to get him back because Jorginho yeah. has very much 
almost seamlessly it feels like has just slotted into that spot um so I think that we're pretty pretty funny. pleased um on that funny you should say that because weren't you talking mad shit about him like 10 days yeah. ago <laughs> yes I was I was I was and you know what you know what karma I guess I'm not sure but my lips are now sealed I do apologize but he like, it's just like every time I tweet something nasty about Mares, he scores a worldly. Yeah, so you know what? Maybe my criticism was good. Anyway, this Leicester game was a bit... Arsenal is, like, slowly... Was slowly kind of coming out of, like, this weird, like, fog, kind of. And I think that it's interesting. Arteta said this after the game. He was like, we could have had three or four. They probably should have had more than one goal. But he was like... Sometimes we just need our defense to be our defense. And I thought that was interesting of him just to be like, today we needed our strong defensive performance to keep our 1-0 win. And It's interesting to me, sort of writ large, the conversation that we're having, um, is that it seems like again and again we keep saying and thinking, or at least I do, that it really, really feels like Arsenal is the team that City was four years ago. Yeah. Uh-huh. It, it like, absolutely like does. Like, every – it so, 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 so feels like that. Like, where I really genuinely expect them to win, it, even if they don't win it this year, which I frankly think there's a pretty good chance that they do. Um, You know, there's still 13 games left in the season, so, you know, who knows. But there's left. a pretty good yeah. chance that they do. Um, and I think I, I expect them to be to win more in the next couple of years and be in title races over the next couple of years, um, and have decent Champions League runs in the next yeah. couple of years. Um, it yeah. just feels like the beginning. Um, and they definitely it, it feels. Are. It maybe it's maybe feels a little bit more like four years than four years ago. Maybe it it feels may, almost maybe like twenty sixteen city, um, like right after like maybe Pep's second year kind of thing, um, like when the ball yeah. first started getting rolling and you were yeah. like, this is gonna be something. Um, yeah, and we are. But I think there's there's a lot of promise. There's, there's a lot of promise, and there's. There's just a lot of things that feel really similar from the beginning of the city run of the last five years and, and this Arsenal team. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, I think a lot of that probably has to do with the similarities between Arteta and Pep. Oh, absolutely. Um, oh, I, it, but, it has to be. I think, I think too, they, it, they play similarly and I think, they are not the same, and I think that we they're would never not the say same. that they were no, the same. Absolutely but I think not. They... And I think the circumstances are are different too, in the sense that, like, when Pep came to City, Pep was already established as one of the top coaches. In the yeah. Game. Um. And and Arteta is is now establishing himself yeah. as one of the yeah. top coaches in the game. No, I um, agree. And I I I wonder, very speculatively, if we're going to see if Pep. If now that we've seen, now that we're seeing Arteta do similar things to Pep, he's not doing the same stuff because no. he he has his philosophy differs a little bit, but no two coaches are exactly the same, right? No, yeah, um, exactly. But he definitely 
he definitely clearly comes from a Pep Guardiola school of football, right? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. I'm I'm wondering if we're gonna see a trend that way. And I think, you know, I think Javi, for example, also comes from the Pep Guardiola school of football. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. so as we see managers like basically I think what we're seeing sort of writ large in sort of the success of Arteta and and overall success of Xavi is that seeing is that yes Pep is brilliant and that's why he's done successfully but also it's not just because he's Pep what he's doing what his his tactics and his sort of strategies they work like even if you're not Pep so I think for a lot like in the sense that I feel like a lot of time like there was a time seven years ago where it was like, yeah, well, it, it's just Pep. Like nobody does what Pep does. So it's yeah. just Pep's thing. Yeah. And it's less of a, it's Pep's thing and more of an entire sort of school of coaching. Yeah. Um, I think that's really interesting. And I wonder, I expect, honestly, that 20 years from now, still going to be talking about the impact I I think sort of the overall impact that Pep Guardiola and his style of play impacted the game at as a whole and not even about not even about him being successful as a manager in terms of winning things but literally just changing the way the top level of football plays yeah, yeah, I would agree. I think it'll be interesting to see. Um, clearly, it's already happening. I also think it's interesting. I was thinking about this, like, I don't know if you feel this way. I feel like we may slowly be moving in to, like, a new crop of managers. Like, I feel like mm-hmm. there's always, like, a so. cycle, yeah. right? And I feel like maybe two years yeah. ago, we were, like, it's all the same people, and they're just, like, moving between the same teams. And I feel yeah, like it, I feel like a couple years ago, it's... People you know it was Ancelotti it was Pep it was uh Pochettino it's you know uh Mourinho and Klopp like we're like the big boys on the block you know um but now I think with you know people like Arteta people like Xavi people like Eric Ten Hag um we're seeing yeah that little kind of new rise of the Mm -hmm. next generation of of top managers for sure just like because just like we see evolutions of of players you know as oh yeah as the messi ronaldo era has you know is slowly 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 coming to a close you know um as much as and these it's been a very long era and and managers kind of don't necessarily turn over as often but but you know we've seen it in the past you know with um you know arson wenger and sir al ferguson like um we've seen these sort of eras of managers in the past. And I think we're seeing not necessarily the end of, of the previous few or not all of them, at least I don't think Pep's going anywhere. I don't really think Klopp's going anywhere. Um, I don't really know that Ancelotti is going anywhere anytime soon, you know, like um, Thomas Tuchel, I think certainly is going to still be floating around. Um, yeah, they're not going anywhere. It just there's new, you know they're not going anywhere. Yeah. But I do think we're seeing. I think you're right. I think we are seeing a new sort of generation of managers probably 
cropping up for sure. Which is fun. It is. Especially when one of them's coaching my team. Um, <laughs> to briefly, so basically the Arsenal win against Leicester, good win. It was also good because it maintained, it helped us maintain a two-point lead over City. And then today, Wednesday, um, we Arsenal played our game, game in hand. We played our game in hand. I couldn't tell you when this game was from. Don't know. I think it's from like when the Queen died. Yeah. It's it's in game week seven. Okay. So a long time ago, we did play Everton like not that long ago either and lost to them. So, which, you know, was bad. It was their first game with their new manager. So like classic Arsenal. But um, I will, I will give Everton credit. They played well for the first like 30 to 40 minutes. They were, they had a good shape. They held their defense. They had a couple good shots on Arsenal's goal. And Arsenal, it was kind of funny because unlike other games where it felt like Arsenal like couldn't, just couldn't get anything going and they were getting frustrated, mm-hmm. this game, it just felt like they were biding their time. It almost just felt mm-hmm. like they knew what they were doing and they knew it was going to work. And they were just going to chip away slowly at Everton's defense. Um, gotcha. And that's what they did. And... um. Saka scores in the 39th minute and then first minute of extra time of the first half um he pickpockets this is actually one of the weirdest things I've ever seen oh I actually saw this goal yeah yeah so basically Saka like the Everton defenders like nonchalantly like has the ball point he's on like the edge of his box pointing towards his goalie and doesn't give a back pass to his goalie and Saka like picks his pocket and passes it to Martinelli, who scores. Yeah. It's then called offsides. But then the VAR looks. So Martinelli is technically in front of Saka, but his, he is not in front of the ball. So because he's in line well, with the It doesn't matter if ball, he's in front of Saka. It, only, yeah, it, he doesn't. it doesn't matter that Saka touched it and that he was in front of Saka. So they reversed the call i mean there, i mean that it was like such an yeah he play. only has to be um, he only has to be behind the ball yeah so um, and everyone agreed but, on that as like a as the right call but it was just so funny and odd and like it was well, also almost I didn't missed watch because it. like the camera wasn't pointing at the goal like it was just like it was very strange i wasn't watching the game i was busy um and i didn't watch i saw that particular goal on twitter i didn't watch it with sound but I almost am like, like, I have a couple questions, which you won't know the answer to. They're more like universe questions. Questions for that Everton <laughs> defender that he will not oh, answer uh, um, yeah. to me. I don't have any answers. Um, like, it seemed like there was a pretty awkward or, or like a little bit of a coming together right before that that guy had the ball. Yeah. So I'm like, did he think there was a foul? Was Did he think the whistle was going to get blown? Well, I And think, that's why he was fucking I around? Think... Or and everybody around him just do him fucking dirty and nobody told him man on so the one one reason why i feel like he might have thought that it was a foul was because the camera went like literally you see the foul happen there's no whistle blown but then the camera goes and shows the four minutes of extra time that are being added on and then they have to flip back and basically you when you were watching it, you basically miss Saka pickpocketing him, and you basically just see Martinelli with the ball and scoring. So I feel yeah. like even like the TV people thought it was a foul, but the ref I think played advantage. Or honestly, it kind okay. of like 
Odegaard or, or just it didn't call a over. Yeah, like he did tumble over, but it almost looked like he just tumbled on the ground. Well, well, I'll tell you, like it looked like, like I didn't watch it with any sound, but watching it without sound, the first part of the clip, it looked like they thought it was a, like he looked like he was slowing down to just sort of like yeah, turn around with the ball, I, like the whistle had blown, like yeah. like if it if it had stopped before Saka had. Uh, pickpocketed him like if the video had stopped I would have assumed a foul had been called not necessarily because I felt like the coming together was a hundred percent foul but just the way it just he was looked like it with the ball like that's what it yeah. looked like like I it agree. looked like he heard the whistle blow and that's what it was going on I but I th- there was no whist- there was no whistle right yeah here's the thing he can't stop playing <laughs> even if he thinks it's a foul until the whistle blows uh-huh. um and The other thing I could think is that he doesn't know Saka's coming at all, right? Like, yeah. he thinks nobody's coming. He thinks he yeah. has a lot of time, right? Yeah. Because that happens sometimes. If the other team Absolutely. isn't playing a high press, yeah. a, a player, you might have your back to goal, like, you might have your back to the field like that and, right. and not be pressured. Yeah. And if that's the case, like, A, he should still have a little bit better awareness of, than he did. But yeah. two, like, his teammates and his goalkeeper should, should make sure something? that he knows. Yeah. Like, uh-huh. that's what the term man on is for. <laughs> yeah, literally. Coming on. Like, I used to yell man on, man, 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 all the time. Yell. Just be like, like all the time. You don't even have to say man on. You just yell man. <laughs> like, yeah. you yell man, 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 or coming, coming, coming. Like, like watch out, you, maybe, is what you would say. It's usually on the field, at least for us. It was man on or coming on or, yeah. you know. Something like that. Somebody that let let you know he was coming towards you, um, so that you could be aware that you were about to be challenged for the ball. So, I, I think it's certainly a mistake from the Everton defender defender's part, but I also imagine it's probably a mistake from his teammates as well, um, for not letting him know. But yeah, anyway, that's why communication is important. Anyway, basically. It was just an odd. It was an odd goal, but um, Everton went from looking relatively like you know solid to, I mean, once it it was two zero at halftime, and it, there was Arsenal came out in the second half, and when I say they just like blew them away, like it was a complete dismantling of Everton. Gotcha. Um, two more nice goals um and i was very pleased with this i feel like arsenal hasn't had like a comfortable nice win in a while so we haven't been able to rest anyone but it was super yeah. nice that arteta was able to sub a lot of key players out we got a couple of other people in to you know playing time which is good a couple of people coming back from injury it was just we ha- I, I don't know it feels like we haven't had that chance in a while um yeah and Everton is the team that you want to be able to do it again. So that was super nice. Um, and just, it feels like a little bit like Arsenal is back on track with this game in hand. They're now five points ahead of City. Again, I don't think that really matters at this point. It's City chasing them. Like, they just have to kind of do what they got have to do. I think that they kind yeah. of have to block everything else out and almost not ignore City results, but like 
No, but they just, they can't be worried about what City is doing. They just have to do, it's in Arsenal's hands. Yeah. Both teams are going to drop points still this season. Oh, absolutely. Um, Yeah. We're roughly, we're roughly two-thirds of the way through the season. There's 13 games left. So we're just about two-thirds of the way through. Um, It doesn't, you know, the the Premier League season does not divide equally into thirds. So (laughs) you can't be exactly two-thirds, but we're roughly two-thirds of the way through the season. Um. So, you know, both teams are, are going to drop points. It's a matter of Arsenal just needs to do what they have to do um, and not worry about what City's doing. Yeah. Um, I will say it is nice. This this game in hand had been, like, a thing that everyone was paying attention to. So, yeah, it is nice to get a good, nice, comfortable one out of that because it just like, – Yeah, it's nice to win your game in hand. <laughs> um, nice. It's really nice. So, um, so, so all eyes really now are going to be on – uh city arsenal fixture yeah which isn't like so long yeah it's not until april but but um, yeah so that's kind of the next um thing which is far enough away that i feel like hopefully neither team is thinking about it yeah we'll see Um, we'll we'll probably have there's a lot that could happen between then and now but yeah um, the only other premier league result really um they uh will liverpool beat wolves which is a, a a result they Desperately, desperately, desperately needed. Um, they moved into uh, sixth place. Liverpool have moved up into sixth. Um, they are still behind Newcastle, who do have a game in hand on them at the moment. Um, but Liverpool does have a game in hand on on uh, on Tottenham as well, who's in fourth. Newcastle actually has two games in hand right now on almost everybody above them um it's the time of year right now where like there's some weird stuff going on like brighton for example has only played 22 games yeah i don't really get how that happened like i don't because it must be like somehow everybody else's (laughs) a lot of other teams who are down a game or two it's like all against multiple brighton. of them need to play bright like it's all against Brighton. so it's just um, like, so it, it is the time of year i think too with like just the god the schedule this year was so wonky and it got even more wonky for so many reasons so yeah 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 um it's like but, th- also i think now because europe games are back it's just like kind of chaos trying to fit games in yeah and also when you're trying to schedule some of the makeup games but you don't know how deep like for example, Man United have a game in hand on on uh, City right now. Um, they're yeah. behind them, but they have a game in hand on on City and also on Tottenham, who is in fourth. But United, um, like it's going to be hard to schedule that in the sense that like who knows how far they're going to go. Um, yeah, the Europa League. Also, like with but, the FA Cup, it's like the FA Cup, but then like the yeah, FA and, Cup games. Where, well, well, you can just transition into the FA Cup and yeah. the EFL, but. Like, I didn't even realize there were FA Cups games midweek because I was like, oh, there's Arsenal has a Premier League game midweek. But I'm like, yeah, that's because they got kicked out of the FA Cup. So they were able to play this Premier League game this week because they did have yeah. a fake. I, it's, it's just, it's, it's a mess. It's, it's a mess. It's an absolute sure. mess. Um, To but, touch on um, the Carabao Cup final first, Man United beat Newcastle last weekend, hence why the Newcastle-Brighton game got canceled or postponed, yeah. sorry. I 
did not watch any of this game. I'm gonna be I honest. I forgot it was either. happening. Um, I I I did too. I think most of our most of our con- comments about this game um have to do with the way everyone or not everyone, but way, the way a lot of people responded it to it was most people United's win for this. Yeah, I know this theory. Um. Maybe it's gonna sound bitter with me being who I am, but I have this theory. I also that you on because it. United was such an established, such an, an establishment, really, um, like European football for so long, and sort of like always one of the shining gems of the Premier League. That the last like several years when they've really struggled, like have been very difficult for people that now with any sort of hint of success everyone is like losing their shit losing their minds like they've won like the championship of the world and it's the carabao cup and here's the thing here's the thing and i said this last year two years ago whenever it was that liverpool won it um i said it i said it and i said look look you can't decide that the the EFL Cup or the Caribou Cup means something only when your team wins it. <laughs> because we won this competition four years in a row. Um, I don't feel like City fans ever made it that much of a thing. We won this cup over and over and over again because we were always we were a winning the Premier League at the same time we were doing that, um, and or winning the FA Cup. Um, win the Champions League we were a lot more concerned about those three competitions we happened to win the EFL Cup many years in a row and all while City was winning that and, and maybe some City fans talked about it differently but in my circles and what I talked about like I mean obviously you like winning a trophy like you're never going to be like unhappy to win a trophy but nobody was like going batshit over City winning the Caribou Cup all right we joked around that it was the City Cup right like, yeah. there's a joke that Phil Foden named his dog Caribou because they won it, like, whatever, however many times. Like, it, there's, like there were jo- we made jokes about it, right? And all of those years, United fans and Liverpool fans and Chelsea fans and everybody was like, it, it's a bullshit cup. It doesn't mean anything. It's a bullshit cup. It doesn't mean anything. It's like, okay, fair enough. Mm-hmm. It also then applies to you when you win it. It's still a bullshit cup and does, if it was a bullshit cup and didn't mean anything in the past, when other people were winning it, it's a bullshit cup and it doesn't mean anything when you win it. You can't, you can't have it both ways is my thing. Is like, if it was a bullshit cup before, it's a bullshit cup now. If it means something now, that means it meant something before. So like, decide which one it is. That does not mean me saying, that is not me saying that this isn't a good step forward. Yes, Man U needs wins and hasn't won a trophy in a while. And, you know, it's a good first step (laughs) for United, I think. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. But I feel like people are acting like it's something other than a first step. I also, there there are definitely people talking about it like this is the goal rather than this is just a first step. I also enjoy, I also very much enjoy, I saw something there where someone was like, they're going to win the treble. I'm like, you don't win the treble with the Europa League. Yeah. 
anyway, it's not a real treble if you win the Europa League. Yeah. Like, it's not really what happens. Um, anyway, good on United. Whatever, we're continuing yeah, like, shit on that. Great for because... winning. I'm not saying you're not. I'm not saying you're not allowed to be excited. You want a trophy? Like that's not what we're saying. Like you're allowed to be excited, but like. They they're really and, and this is not and I'm not even just talking about fans like I'm talking about sports writers I'm talking about commentators that like, was more of what like caught me I yeah. don't I didn't really like it's not the fans the like fans, fans are always like, gonna act like idiots, the articles so. that were like written on BBC like, was like the like every like the coming of like some craziness was that like United like, was oh like, my god Ten Hog. Yeah, they were like, this is the first of so many trophies. I was like, okay. Let's see him actually win another trophy that, you know, I I think is a little bit more meaningful than the EFL Cup first, right? Like, yeah. if, If they win this and, you know, maybe they win the FA Cup and the Europa League, then we can start talking. Yeah, I also feel like they're due for a slump. I don't think they're going to win. I I don't think they're going to win all those competitions. I don't think they're going to. I think they might win the Europa League or the FA Cup or neither. But, you know, like, I think this is, like I said, this is a good first step. It is not, and as you were just sort of alluding to, I think you're right in the sense that they could, we could, we could and probably will see another road bump with United before the end of the year. Um, just because that's the that's the the nature of these things. Um, yeah, that's just how it works, generally speaking. And what I will actually be really interested to see is obviously when Ten Hag came in, they were struggling, and he turned them around, and now they're on this high. If they run into a losing streak, you know, and and by streak I mean like if they lose two games in a row. Yeah, 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 yeah. Are they then going to struggle? Like, what's going to happen then? That is what I will be interested to see. If and when that happens. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Um... The There were more FA Cup. I couldn't tell you where we're at in the FA Cup. But there were more FA Cup um, games today and yesterday. Yeah, it's the fifth round. So next round is the quarterfinals. Okay. So it was the fifth round um, of, the F- of the FA Cup. So here are just some results. I'll re- run through some random ones, and then there are a couple that are notable. Um, Fulham beat Leeds two zero. Um, Burnley beat, beat Fleetwood. Um, Brighton beat Stoke. Man United beat West Ham. Um, and we'll talk then about the City game a little more, but there were some interesting results. So yeah, so Blackburn Rovers beat Leicester City. Blackburn is Blackburn. in the championship, and Leicester um has is been struggling. you know struggling a bit. So obviously, it's always you can always say that it's a surprise when a Premier League team drops points or drops out of the FA Cup to someone else. But I think those are the types of games that happen often. Is like a, yeah. you know like a relatively good championship team and like a lower ish premier league team. Cause I feel like ultimately those teams are relatively yeah. on similar playing fields. Um, yeah. And then Sheffield United beat Tottenham. Now this is so not that's another the... championship team beating a premier league team, but this is a much higher regarded. Higher... Yeah. Premier league team losing to Sheffield. Um, Sheffield. 
Um, Although Sheffield is one of those teams that pops in and out of the Premier League. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. I actually don't know what the championship. I don't know what the championship standing. I wouldn't be surprised right now. But um, and then so then the big and then we'll talk about City, but the big and crazy. This this does not happen that much. Um, Grimsey Southampton. Yeah, lost to Grimsey Town. Southampton, which Grimsey Town is in the fourth like the fourth tier, tier. of the they're English... in league two so in case you don't know uh it goes the premier league the championship league one league two yes um so, so league town... two team grimsey town is in the quarterfinals and they beat the FA Cup. southampton premier league team doesn't even matter that they're the bottom of the premier league they're still in the premier league um yeah so, honestly, that is one of the perks of watching the FA Cup. It is always so exciting. Here's, here's the other thing. Grimsby Town beat Southampton at Southampton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. Sometimes you can imagine that, like, the fans and stuff for some of these games. I'm pretty push. sure it was at South. Yeah, it, no, was. it was. No, it was. It, it was, was at St. Mary's. At Southampton. So... Um, <laughs> it's fun. We love the FA Cup. I don't know who they play next, but we'll they're talk my about team the quarterfinal now. matchups in a moment. Um, but uh, City um also played yesterday. City played Bristol City. Uh, City beat the crap out of Bristol City. Um, as City should. <laughs> um, but um, really, the I didn't get to watch the full game. But the really only notable, there's two kind of things I want to say about this. One is about the game itself. One is about some commentary I heard about the game. Okay. Um, one, my really biggest commentary about the game itself um, is that Phil Foden looked great. He got two goals, um, so that's his third goal in two games. Um, and we know I'm Phil Foden's number one fan. Um, so I am very, very happy to see him have two really good games in a row. It's nice to see him back in form. I anticipate he will continue to carry that into the next several games. Um, I, I mean, obviously with the competition, like Bournemouth at the weekend and then Bristol city, like it's not exactly the most challenging competition for city, but it came at a nice time. I think in that city needed a little bit of a boost, so to score seven goals in in two games is is something I think I think City yeah. needed that because yeah. um, they have a couple of of tougher uh, Premier League games coming up. So I think it was a good a good result. It's the result they should have gotten. Rio two two from Foden, one from De Bruyne. Um, De Bruyne I thought um, from what I saw looked like he had a decent game as well. Um, who he also needs a decent game. So nice to see that um, just sort of writ large. Yeah. Um, I don't really have much else to say on the game itself. City should be a team like Bristol City 3-0. Yeah. Not much else to say about that. Um, I watched a little bit, not very much, but a little bit of ESPN FC commentary about the game after, like, later in the evening. Okay. Um, and I found something kind of funny slash ironic. Um, their biggest criticism of City, um, they, were, they were being critical of City, which is weird i think yeah the back of a three nothing win but they're being critical of city and their but their criticism is that it was boring (laughs) and i think that's hilarious 
Because if you go back to the net, like last year or two years ago, the only thing anybody could come up with to say bad about City when they were absolutely flying and beating the crap out of everybody was that it was boring. That's the only thing anybody could say. Oh, it's boring to watch. Oh, it's boring that's just like such a stupid critique of any game. Like, oh, it was and, boring. They won three zero. What else did you want for them? And it's like, nothing. I- and and it's nothing. Here's the thing. That's not to say that there are never boring games of football. No, there are certainly are. Like, Absolutely, there certainly are boring games of football. I just feel like, um, I just feel like as a professional, you're being paid a lot of money. Yeah, talk on you can't come up with a better take than that. You can't come up with a better analysis than this game was boring. I don't know. I feel it like it sounds like they just wanted to say something and they didn't have anything else to say. Like you're a honestly, hater. Like, like if that's the only thing you can come up to say with you. You could say it was a routine performance. You know, nothing particularly flashy or 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 you know impressive necessarily about City. City should beat Bristol City. A three nothing. It was a routine. It was a routine form performance. They got the job done through the yeah. quarterfinals. That's a totally fair thing to say. But to be like, oh, I'm critical of it. It was boring to watch. Who the fuck cares? Also, I, yes, there are boring games. I find it hard to believe that a three nothing game could be boring. Yeah, I. In I just... my experience, boring games are zero zeros and one things tend to be occasionally a one one um and but i mean i'm biased of course but i have very rarely found city to to legitimately be boring Mm -hmm. um because i feel like if you know the game if you enjoy the sport you don't need there to be goals first of all for a game to be exciting and there's things to think about and analyze and and discuss um even outside of goals and there's things to appreciate and i just felt like that was one i thought it was funny because it reminded me of city's really really dominant times when that was the only bad thing anybody could ever think to say about them um and and two i just just thought it was lazy commentary from the ESPN team and I usually like the ESPN team so I was a little bit disappointed with them because I usually while I don't necessarily always agree with the ESPN team I do usually um I do usually like appreciate their perspective I I did think that was kind of lazy commentary from them though yeah oh well it happens to everyone I suppose but they get paid a lot of money so maybe they should do a little bit better um yeah we're gonna move on to... uh but just to to go up through what the quarterfinal matchups oh, yeah. are. oh yeah, yeah um in Sorry. the in the um so uh brighton is gets grimsy town um man united will play fulham which i think is the most exciting game yeah i would agree. um yeah to the there's three uh or i guess there's four premier league teams um left in the competition three four premier league teams uh two championship teams and four here Grimsy Town um so Grimsy Town plays one of the Premier League teams Brighton um I'm sorry I lied three there are three championship teams um four yeah yeah championship teams yeah um 
So uh, of the Premier League teams play each other, Man United, Fulham, um, Sheffield and Blackburn play each other. So that's championship competition versus championship competition. And actually uh, City play Burnley, which yeah. is you know, Premier League versus um, championship team. But the reason this is interesting and exciting for me is in case you don't remember, uh, Vincent Company is Burnley's manager. Yeah, that's going to be fun. Um, City club legend uh, Vincent Company is is City's manager. So this is the first time that uh, Vincent Company will return to the Etihad um, as a manager, um, and he will be playing or coaching against his. You know, do you his know how they decide club. where they play these games? I think the I think the higher seeded team. Oh, okay. Because well, it looks like from what, I, what well, I don't like. actually. But like I've then, seen, like, it looks like they're playing at City, United, Sheffield, and Brighton. Yeah, I thought so too. Um, but then, like, if you looked at today, like they played at Sheffield when they played Tottenham. But maybe you know what? Oh no, you know what? I don't know. Because? I don't know. But that's because Arsenal had a game, so they couldn't play at Tottenham oh, Stadium decide. and Arsenal's. I don't know. Anyway, that's off they're topic. Play. They're gonna play, they're gonna play at, at the Etihad and at Old Trafford on the same day. At the same time. Well, at the same time. Well, good luck to Manchester. Anyway, we're that's gonna the FA Cup. <laughs> And that's that's England for you, all of England. That's England. <laughs> um, we're going to talk quickly about the Bundesliga and La Liga, as we always do. Um, a couple of significant things, as we always tell you, watch the Bundesliga. Um, Bayern actually beat yeah, so Union Berlin three zero, which is significant. The three way, yeah, it ends the three way tie at the top of the table. And um, I was talking to my dad about this because what Dortmund won. So if Bayern had dropped, if Bayern had if lost, Bayern had, then Dortmund would have gone top. Yes. So if Bayern had lost, Dortmund would have gone top. But if they, Dortmund really probably wanted a draw because then yeah. they wouldn't have even been tied for anything. But if, yeah. if Bayern had lost, Dortmund would have gone top um, on goal difference over uh, in Berlin. But um, Bayern winning. Um, is definitely good for Bayern. Uh, did also win their game this weekend. Dortmund uh, have not. Dortmund lost. are on a win streak. Yeah, they haven't lost. Um, um, I don't think they've lost in 2023. No, they um, haven't. I was talking to my dad about Bayern because he was like, he was just like rolled his eyes. He was like, they do this all the time. Like they like shit around, and then like when they really have to win, they'll win a game, which like I feel like is probably I didn't really i watched the highlights of their game but it sounds like you know they just buckled down when they needed to and beat union berlin um yeah so anyway it's still super tight at the top of the Bundesliga. i'm not actually sure when bayern and dortmund have to play each other but that that will be a game. yeah let me look that i feel like i definitely looked that up recently and i feel like it's not that far away um Whenever anyone, whenever that happens, that is the game to watch, people. So, we'll April 1st. Yeah, so it's like, a, it's a month away. Obviously, things will be very away. different by then. There's plenty of games, but. Um, yeah, Dortmund has some tough games between now and then. Um, Bayern has some as well, but Bayern has to play uh, Leverkusen. Dortmund has to play Schalke. Um, and more importantly, uh Dortmund has to play Leipzig. Uh yeah, Bayern plays Stuttgart as well in that in that time. So yeah. Um anyway, again, as always, watch the Bundesliga. 
Um, and then I didn't watch Barca play either, but they finally dropped points in La Liga, um, yeah. which what prevented them from going ten points up against Real. It, this yeah, I don't think so they, anywhere they're near seven. that big of a deal. Yeah, they're um, seven points up. But Barca I, I, have a cushion to drop some points. Yeah, and it's going to be inevitable that they drop some points. Um, but yeah, it was really like, it's like more notable. Loss. Did finally drop points, but Madrid also points. Madrid tied. Yeah, yeah. So, so Madrid continues to be weird as hell in the sense that they're trash in La Liga and just can only ever compete in the Champions League. <laughs> I, I, but, I understand it, but they do them, and I'm just like, whatever. All Fine. right. Um. Um. So that's yeah, that's yeah. there and then we wanted to close up this episode um because there were the fifa awards what are they called fifa the, the best? FIFA best that's yeah. stupid that is a stupid name i would like to say that here but those Here's... awards were this week um, and we have some thoughts on them but you know not too first, opinionated the I first think. thing i want to say thought this since they did it and i still think this Everything made so much more sense and was so much simpler when the FIFA Best Award and the Ballon d'Or were the same award. Uh-huh. Yeah. For, for they, I know they were once upon a time different awards, and then they were combined for probably like a decade. Not and even a decade, maybe. But yeah, for like a hot second, they but were, it made, made sense. so much more sense when they were combined. Like, this shit, it just gets so confusing. Um, it's confusing, too, because the Ballon d'Or is obviously like the thing to win. But before it wasn't part like when they were together, then it was everyone voting because now the Ballon d'Or is just a bunch of French journalists voting. Yeah. So like, so really, realistically, the Ballon d'Or is still the the name that people think. But in reality, the FIFA Best Award is kind of what the Ballon d'Or when they were combined was. Yeah, because it's like coaches and players that like. You, this Vote, award is yeah. voted on by everyone like you know anyway, everyone involved it's confusing i think they should have stayed the same award but they didn't nevertheless oh. it was on monday <laughs> um yeah the, the sort of notable winners um messi won the few best award uh alexia Buteas won the women's best award um emmy martinez won men's goalkeeper mary earps won women's goalkeeper mm-hmm. um i can't remember the best 11s off the top of my head but they were roughly who you would expect yeah does um, f- both men's and what women's confuses side. me is why martinez wasn't in the top 11 but courtois was but martinez won the goalie award unless like someone made a graphic that was wrong because that yeah doesn't i don't make sense to me how your goalie can be different. Yeah, I don't really get that either. But didn't that happen last year? Was it with the Ballon d'Or when Puteas won the best award and then wasn't in the 11? That's so stupid. Really? I don't I'm pretty sure that. that happened. I'm pretty sure that happened. Either it was either last year or it was at the um at the Ballon d'Or this year. It was one of them. I remember us saying that being like how does that work? Like how is that possible? Um, it just, it just doesn't the only make other, any sense. 
Yeah. So that the only other thing has- we were uh confused about was um I think we were both a little bit thrown by the fact that Alexia um won um the women's best award not because we don't think she's the best women's player in the world um i i actually do still think that she is but i think it's really confusing for her like you you start to think how could she possibly have won it when she hasn't played in almost a year um and we did look it up and the award sort of time frame is for the calendar year of 2022 and yes I think probably the first five months until she got hurt in the, at the end of the season yeah. last year, she was probably the best player in the world for those five months. Um, yeah. But obviously there was a major women's competition over the summer that she didn't play in. And then yeah. she hasn't played at all in the season in this, in like the first half of this season. And because she's been hurt and like, that's not her fault. Like she's hurt. It's, it is what it is, but it does kind of make you, it does just kind of confuse me a little bit. I, yeah I just no, I feel agree. like no I agree I I don't think it's necessarily like wrong that she won it um but it just is a little like huh yeah I don't know I also I found an answer on the Martinez thing the best goalkeeper and those awards are voted on by coaches and then team captains and then like journalists and like other people while the top 11 is only voted on by like the individual players interesting so i guess it's the players picked courtois and then a combination of all the other things including the players picked martinez so is it team cat is it national team captains is it club team captains? I, I think that it's national team only because um David Alaba got a bunch of shit for having voted for Messi over Benzema. And he was like, this was like what the Austrian team decided to do or something. Gotcha. So I think that it's the national team. But I okay. could be wrong. Who did Tyler Adams vote for? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> anyway. You probably um, could look it up. It's national team captains. Um look at right here who who the coaches captains and i'm gonna look up who everybody voted for right now (laughs) okay um for the sake of time on the podcast we may not hang around um that entire time to talk about all of that but we just wanted to mention that these awards happened who won um i I actually have have one other thing to say about these awards okay um and that is about second and third place um for the women's award Okay. This yeah. actually does the Alexia winning does not piss me off, but Beth Mead finishing third instead of second does uh, piss uh-huh. me off. Yeah. Which is That's why ridiculous. That is ridiculous to me. Because I frankly think I don't necessarily have a problem with Alexia winning, but if it were up to me, Beth Mead would have won. Yes, um, me too. Alex Morgan, I don't have anything against Alex Morgan. I do think she had a great season in the yeah. NWSL. I'm not saying she didn't. Um, she did have a good season in the NWSL. She had maybe the best season of her career in the NWSL. That's certainly true. Fair enough. She's not better than, Al- than Beth Mead last year. Get no. the fuck out of here. No, which is why it's interesting to see who votes for what. Maybe it may have impacted. I don't know. Um, 
but yeah, Beth Mead. Also, we got some cute Beth Mead Viviana Miedema pictures due to the awards. Definitely, it is definitely um, national team captains. Okay, um, fantastic. Any last words for this podcast before? Um... Hold on, USA. Tyler Adams. <gasps> Tyler Adams, you have betrayed me. Who do you vote for? Tell me. You got to tell me now. <laughs> you have betrayed me. I can't believe you voted for Kylian Mbappe. <laughs> Tyler, we're, we we have a problem. So funny. Mm-hmm. Tyler Adams voted for Mbappe, Messi, Holland. My my guy. I wonder if that's like a consensus of the whole team though, and then he's the one who votes. I feel like that's how normally it probably is, is, but come fucking on, man. I want to see who Kevin De Bruyne voted for. We're gonna devolve looking at this. I know, I know. We can finish it now. I'm just gonna um All right. Any last words before you look up Kevin De Bruyne? No, I'm looking at now. Why can I find where's where is Belgium? Why can I not read? Is Belgium on this list? Okay. I'm going <laughs> to... Anyway. Focus on me for a second. <laughs> we can we're, cut we're this we're out. Done. But um, we're, we will be done. There's a lot of games next week. Premier League, Champions League, all the things. So we'll talk to you soon. And Katya will go back to trying to figure out who Kevin DeBruyne voted for. So we'll talk to you next week. That's all for this week. We'll see you next week on Kicking Balls.